Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode, and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., Welcome to the Explaining History podcast, and uh, as you know, in the last few weeks, um, we've focused on the experience of black Americans uh, from 1945 uh, onwards, and we looked at really the uh, immediate aftermath of the Second World War, and explored why it was that there was a newfound confidence and a desire to work in a determined manner towards uh, greater freedoms and, and rights. Today we're going to look at the condition of American women, predominantly white suburban American women in the post-war era. Um, looking at the condition of black American or Latino American women is a slightly different uh, proposition because there you have um, the intersection of race, class and gender and their experience is really quite different uh, from um, suburban middle class uh, white women. Uh, though what we're going to do today is explore the extent to which this was a time of uh, conformity, a suffocating era, um, as suggested by Betty Friedan, or whether the conservative view uh, that celebrates the domesticity of the 1950s has any validity at all. In every combatant nation, the Second World War had thrown gender roles um, up in the air. Women had to work in factories, uh, women w went overseas as nurses, auxiliaries, drivers, um, telephonists, uh, cryptographers and um, other auxiliary roles with most armies and in the case of uh, armies such as the Red Army, women fought on the front line. Women in the US Army were killed during the Second World War and injured. Uh, women were taken prisoner, um, especially in Philippines, such as uh, when MacArthur departed the Philippines uh, with great haste. And these transformations in women's roles had a deep effect on uh, gender, on gender roles and on power between men and women, um, the normal structures of, of patriarchal power that had pre-existed uh, before the war. And things 
were unlikely to simply return to a status quo um, after the war. However, as with the anxieties that white workers had that uh, their jobs may have been given uh, to skilled black workers during the war while they were away at fighting, um, anxieties about the role of men in society and the erosion of male power, um, the erosion of wage rates which, with, as a result of there being large numbers of new female workers in the workforce, and fears of a kind of a, a general anxiety about uh, emasculation um, were prevalent in the post-war era in the 1940s. And there was an, an immense uh, amount of uh, social and cultural um, energy and effort put into returning women to the domestic sphere. The domestic sphere in 1945, with the development of new suburban conurbations, um, the uh, growth in labour-saving devices and the new-found post-war prosperity was seen as uh, an attractive place for women to be and a convenient place as far as many men were concerned for them to be as well. Part of the process of the mythologization of American suburbia, the uh, American home and the uh, American nuclear family, um, the, the myth of the white picket fence in, in essence, comes from this period of time where soldiers uh, returned from the war and their um, nuclear family was uh, waiting for them, a, a reminder of what they had been fighting for. And hidden within this, well, not particularly skillfully hidden, were uh, a range of uh, gender politics and the idea that a women's uh, sphere and a women's role was that uh, of domesticity, child-rearing and uh, making sure that uh, the husband was well cared for so that he could be uh, the breadwinner. These are some of the uh, implicit uh, gender rules for the uh, post-war era, for uh, the at least the decade after 1945. Feminist writer Betty Friedan referred to domesticity as the comfortable concentration camp. Now, the thing about both uh, pictures of uh, domestic bliss and domestic hell are that they are kind of polarised versions of uh, life in all its subtlety and complexity, and that there were a variety of uh, different experiences in between. Some women did enjoy the domestic sphere, some women did feel secure there, and at the same time had feelings of frustration. And it's important now to try to avoid projecting our 21st century sensibilities about gender and emancipation and gender equality onto an age where many of these ideas were very much in their infancy. And we have to remember that obviously the ex our expectations of life are really probably quite different to those of women in America, in suburban America, in 1945. In that year, and this was the last year that men outnumbered women in America, there were 69.9 million women um, across uh, 48 states. They had all been affected in various ways by the war 
um, the war had been a uh, wave of social change uh, in the lives of women. Um, it brought them into the job market in uh, enormous numbers, and there were many who had never been in the uh, the working world before. Um, they were able, some women who had had a, a history of work and employment were able to secure better paid jobs and have life experiences um, and employment opportunities and the chance to learn skills that they had never had before. Of course, demobilisation uh, forced many women from these jobs. There were simply war industries that shut down and uh, aspects of government that shut down and were no longer required. Um, however, the um, return to domesticity was actually a kind of a brief blip on an otherwise growing trajectory towards female employment that had been going on probably since the 1890s. And the idea that women simply retreated to the domestic sphere um, in order to raise families, or they didn't at all, and they in entered the world of work uh, and were working single women. Again, this is a fallacy. Throughout the 40s and 50s, women began in increasing numbers to juggle families and work. Uh, there were women who had permanent employment, some who had part-time, some women who did um, increasing amounts of work from home. However, all of this complexity and subtlety and uh, all of these grey areas within gender roles existed in a culture that did place uh, domesticity above emancipation as a, uh, a, as a cultural and social good, so to speak. The needs of total war had sent shockwaves through the American labour market. The uh, labour market prior to the war was gendered and this meant that women generally found low-skilled, low-paid employment, um, seamstress work, uh, farm labour, waitressing, that kind of thing. At the, the top end of female labour by and large was uh, the school teacher. And the war put an additional six million women into work, so a tenth of the entire female uh, population, and much of this work was better paid. It had to be um, because of the need to incentivise workers during a period of uh, intense uh, economic production. The United States outproduced its enemies several times over and was able to create over a hundred thousand aircraft during the Second World War and this was really one of America's great contributions to victory but it couldn't be done without uh, modern employment practices and the use of uh, incentivization to workers to work overtime um, and to uh, be dedicated, committed and uh, focused on their tasks. Poorly paid, poorly motivated workers were not going to be able to uh, achieve this. Obviously the um, levels of pay weren't um, so wildly disproportionate as to make anybody you know, wealthy or rich by any stretch of the imagination, but it certainly meant that women who had worked as waitresses or seamstresses 
when they um, began to work on the nose cones of B-17A bombers or began to um, create uh, sites for uh, aiming sites for tanks and that kind of thing, had far more responsible, um, far more skilled labour and uh, far better rewarded labour. And this transition in experience from unskilled to skilled labour is something that can't easily be undone. And the understanding of one's contribution to victory and the ability to enjoy uh, pay and leisure time in a way that men traditionally have done was a change that was uh, difficult, nay impossible, to kind of put back into the bottle after the war. And of course many of these uh, prestige blue-collar jobs, such as welding, electrics and um, other skilled labour, had not just been the reserve of men, but had been the reserve of white men. There had been um, all manner of struggles during the war to ensure that black male labour didn't become skilled or get skilled labour jobs. So the challenge presented to men um, from white women, predominantly white women, um, during the war um, who accessed skilled labour was... Uh, equally as big a threat. Most women who did factory work and war production work were no doubt working class. Um, many had left poorly paid jobs and by 1942 for example, um, as uh, James Patterson writes in um, his book Grand Expectations, 600 laundries uh, across America had to shut down because they lacked workers so that shows you kind of the, the demographic that was being drawn into factories. Black women, particularly, who norm, who'd worked in agricultural labour, um, thirty percent of that workforce declined between nineteen forty and forty five, um, and the number of black women employed in uh, metallic, chemical, and rubber industries uh, jumped from three thousand to one hundred and fifty thousand. Um, black women. In Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. 
government rose from 60,000 to 200,000. Um, women who worked in uh, this way um, had every reason to feel uh, proud and uh, empowered and strengthened uh, by their experience. 2.25 million women had left their jobs by 1946. Um, this is perhaps voluntary, some of it, uh, or those that saw when, if they weren't going to leave, they were going to be forced out. Um, a mil another million were made redundant. And the women who'd found industrial work during the war, the working class women, um, their jobs um, vanished with demobilisation. Um, they were either or they were given to veterans who returned home. There's some interesting statistics in Anthony Sampson's book, um, The Arms Bazaar, about how the aircraft industry in California literally collapses uh, in 1945 as orders come to an end, and it takes essentially uh, government intervention and government orders. Uh, to continue in order for the aircraft industry to revive itself. But that shows you how dramatically the war industry um, goes into uh, decline, war production industry goes into decline. And there were all sorts of anxieties in 1945 that a new Great Depression was going to begin and that um, the, uh, the problems of the 1930s were about to return. One interesting phenomena of the decade and a half after the end of the Second World War was the uh, gendering of work. Statistics show that um, by the late 50s, 75% of women worked in female-only jobs. Um, this was a gendering of work which was more acute than in 1900, and it was more acute than racial segregation in work. This having uh, followed a period where uh, work was largely degendered during the war. And that's got to tell you something. The fact that the pendulum had swung in one direction during the war and dramatically in another in the decade afterwards. It clearly points to it being the result of some kind of uh, masculine anxiety. The large numbers of women who left the workplace in 1945 uh, many of them returned over the following decade, and obviously as their daughters came of age, uh, became of working age, they entered the workplace as well. So by 1950, there were 18 million women in the workforce, which was only 1 million less than in 1945. So again, this does throw some doubts over the idea that women were prisoners of this, as Betty Friedan called it, the comfortable concentration camp, or at least all women, anyway. Um, half of them, and this was a first in American history, were married. Married women had traditionally uh, not been in the workforce to any, any great extent um, in the, at the beginnings of the 20th century. In 1950, 29% of women worked, um, in 1960, that would be 35%, and in 1970, it would be 42%. The, the motivations of women who joined the workforce during the war um, were less to do with um, the kind of development of uh, feminist ideas um, or the idea that, uh, that there was a kind of a consciousness raising. And more in general, 
um, to do with the need for money. They were mainly economically motivated. They may have developed uh, ideas and beliefs and feelings about their importance and validity along the way. But often these were women who were bored and lonely when their men had gone off to war. Many did have patriotic uh, views that they were doing their bit and contributing. Um, and the government that was really concerned and anxious about labour shortages uh, across America um, launched a very convincing propaganda campaign that associated war work with patriotic duty. And women whose um, husbands and boyfriends were away fighting and saw themselves as having a role too. Work becomes something different after uh, 1945, however, and it had obviously a, an economic role. When husbands and other breadwinners returned from the war, this economic role was perhaps um, less acute. But it became, for many women after 1945, about self-worth. And the idea that work and earning and skill and um, occupation were intrinsic to a woman's self-worth in the way they were to that of men again, is, is quite a, a, revolutionary, um, a revolutionary development in gender politics in America after the Second World War. Women who had previously been trapped in low-paid, low-skilled work, or whose working lives were interrupted by marriage, or who came to uh, believe, uh, due to kind of the uh, hegemonic kind of patriarchal ideas within society at that time, that their economic contributions were meaningless anyway, never were able to attach particular uh, emotional significance to work and were never able to see work as a way of furthering one's own self-worth and self-esteem. The war changes that. Women are able to access the kind of labour that makes them feel good and important and that they matter. The economics of the baby boom era also we need to take into account. There was um, a, an unprecedented wave of um, childbirth from the end of the Second World War through to the mid-1960s. And it was uh, economically important that uh, women were able to work in order to sustain new families and also to sustain the new lifestyles which were uh, emerging in the post-war era. Mass consumption requires earning on a mass scale and uh, employment uh, in, on a new scale. In 1945, 63% of Americans um, did not approve of married women working if their husbands could support them. Um, 65% of Americans in 1973 did approve of women uh, working. Americans in 1940 um, thought that women should not be in the political sphere. In 1949, 3% of um, state legislatures were women. Um, eight uh, representatives out of 435 on Capitol Hill and one woman senator, Margaret Chase Smith of Maine, um, who replaced her husband who died in office. Uh, President Truman uh, said 
of women's rights that they were a lot of hooey. Women were routinely discriminated against. Uh, women doctors were uh, banned in the army uh, until 1943. Um, women made had very little place or uh, role within uh, the government uh, in the 1940s and 50s. Medical schools routinely refused to admit uh, women and there was uh, open discrimination in banking, law and uh, other other businesses. And once again this gendering of employment opportunities meant that wage rates were kept artificially low for women and it was a way of um, patriarchy or patriarchal uh, ideas within society keeping uh, men's pay conditions and privileges sacrosanct in order to prevent there from being any challenge to that. Allied to all of this, of course, was the prohibition on sexual freedom for women. Um, Middle-class married women uh, were able to get birth control devices fitted, but it was normally single women who, would pre who were prevented from getting this. Uh, doctors were able to quiz women on their promiscuity and make moral judgments about whether, this, whether a woman was morally capable of being responsible for her own sexual, uh, her own sexual conduct. There were very, very few birth control clinics, and in some states it was illegal to sell or even use birth control devices. Lots of these laws were flouted and ignored, and it was only in 1965 the Supreme Court decided uh, against the law in Connecticut, um, which settled the uh, matter because precedent was then created. The uh, abortion uh, availability in the 1940s, 50s and 60s um, was uh, virtually non-existent and, of course, illegal. Women who wanted to abort a pregnancy had to do it um, illegally. Uh, which was obviously a highly dangerous business, but it was um, something that millions of women engaged in. And it was the uh, study of Alfred Kinsey in the Kinsey Report on Sexual Behaviour that came up with a statistic. Whether this is valid or not, I'm not sure. You have to really understand his research methods, which I'll perhaps look into one day. But he came up with the statistic that 22% uh, of married women had 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 abortions and many of these most of these uh, early in the marriage or late in childbearing years and the majority of single women in his survey who became pregnant had resorted to abortion the 1940s were, did not see um, particularly fertile ground for feminist discourses um, the uh, arguments about uh, women's rights and the politics of, of women's rights would have to wait uh, until the early 1960s and, and Betty Friedan and the, the feminine mystique. Um, for example, Modern Women, The Lost Sex, which was written by the sociologist Ferdinand Lundberg and uh, Mariana Farnham, the psychoanalyst Mariana Farnham, um, in 1947, actually attacked career women. It said, The independent woman is a contradiction in terms. Women, uh, the books argued that women should instead strive for receptivity and passiveness, a willingness to accept dependence without fear or resentment, 
with a deep inwardness and readiness for the final goal of sexual life, impregnation. And women who uh, didn't want this uh, experience were, in the view of Lundberg and Farnham, sick and happy, neurotic, wholly or partly incapable of dealing with life. Okay guys, well that's where I'm going to leave it today. Um, I've gone over time a little bit, so I'm going to cut it there. And um, we'll be coming back to this um, view of America in the late 40s um, pretty soon. And I hope this has been useful to you and we'll catch you on the next Explaining History podcast. If you can leave us a good write-up on the uh, on the iTunes or come and say hi at our Facebook page and uh, give us a comment there. It'd be great to hear from you all. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.